0: Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw.
1: Hello, and thank you so much for downloading the Women Today podcast to look back at some of our favourite moments from the past week. And we've been talking about the call to ban tackling from school rugby games. We've spoken to the all girl group, the Papini Sisters, and learnt what it's like to find yourself homeless after the breakdown of a marriage. But first, the plight of people fleeing Syria is sadly never far from the headlines these days. And our guest on Thursday was Zoe Thompson, who's just come back from the camps in Dunkirk and has seen the situation firsthand.
2: There's a group of homeopaths. on Facebook actually, saw the plight of all these refugees and thought, how can we help? Um, So one group has set up a clinic in Calais, and myself and colleagues have set up a clinic in Dunkirk at Grand Synth. Um, Phil Neen, a local photographer, went there um, at Christmas time, um, reduced him to tears because of the state of the camp. It's horrendous, absolutely horrendous. Uh, mainly families that are there um, young children pregnant women um, and we thought right what can we do to help so um, we've been twice now came back on Sunday morning um, from the last visit uh, taking out lots of supplies that people had given us um, but primarily to be able to offer homeopathic support to the um, volunteers and the long-term volunteers are there and also to the to the refugees
1: We'll talk a bit more about that support in just a moment, but I mean, we are so used to seeing these images on the television and the newspapers at the moment. What is it like seeing it firsthand?
2: Um, it's bizarre because where the camp actually is situated, um, it's in a residential area. So, where you park your car is right next to a garden centre. You then walk around the corner and you're hit by this sprawling mass of tents. Um, You have to go through police checkpoints to be allowed into the um, camp. Um, They take your passports. They either allow you in or they don't, depending on what mood they're in. Um, You then walk in. Um, It's thick mud. It's slurry. It's got human waste in it, so the smell is horrendous. Um, All the way along the main entrance going in actually isn't too bad, even though it's shocking when you go in. When you go further out and see... The thick mud, the clothes that are strewn everywhere, the rubbish, um, rats running everywhere, waste. It's horrendous. It it really is awful. And there's children there that are, you know, that to them is normal now. That's their normal.
3: Can I ask, because one of the things that you mentioned when you sent us information about this was that um, you said charities are not allowed...
2: Yeah, the, it hasn't been declared a humanitarian crisis by the French. So the big charities, um, such as the Red Cross, um, aren't in there. Um, Médecins Sans Frontières is there um, doing what they can do, um, but there is no infrastructure that's being put into place. Everything that's in the camp has been donated by volunteers, so people like you and me that have sent things. Um, there's a group of long-term volunteers that, um, that live actually in the camp alongside the refugees and they try and manage the food distribution, the heating, the tents. Because um, families are appearing in the middle of the night, they've got nothing with them. They're, they're, you know Young families, they've got um, a backpack on and that's it. So these guys are absolutely fantastic. They, they get tents for them um, and sort them out with some food um, and clothing. And the problem in Dunkirk is because of all of the, the mud that's there, the clothes get covered um, and there's nowhere to wash them or clean them, so they have to get thrown. Um, there's only eight taps there for the whole, well, when I was there, there were probably about 3,000 people. There'll be more now because people have moved from Calais. Um, eight taps, a handful of toilets, it's less than 20 toilets for all those people that are there. Um, and are those toilets working? They're Portaloos. Mm. So somebody comes in and, and changes them. Um, so, yeah, the conditions are absolutely horrific. It's like a really bad sort of rock concert. You know when Glastonbury had all of that mud? Mm. It, but people are living there day in, day out. But everywhere that you see, they're, they're all smiling, they're happy, they're thankful that you're there. Everybody was, thank you, thank you. you so know, you didn't
4: feel threatened in any way?
2: No, not at all. There is an undercurrent. There are human traffickers that are in there. Um, there have been uh, shots fired because that's to intimidate people. Every person that we met and spoke to had connections to the UK. Um, every single one of them. They had families that lived in the UK that had passports. Um, as, as a lot of cultures are, a member of the family will go to another country and send money back to like the Philippines, you know there's, there's lots of people like that. That's what they're, that's what they're doing. And what is it, how on earth do you come
3: back home from something like this? Because you've already been out a couple of times, haven't you? Do you? Does it make you want to just continue going back to help?
2: Yeah, it's when you're there, you're dealing with it and your professional head comes on. When you leave, that's when the processing occurs. This last time, because we were in the Women and Children's Tender had, had been built by um, by volunteers, um, we had a lot of closeness with the children leaving them was very very hard and, and you did find yourself a couple of times catching tears in the back of you know and holding on to it but then when you left yeah in the car the three of us you know had let that flow you've got to let that energy out
1: what do you think? Is rugby too dangerous for school children as it is? Does it need to have its tackle removed? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> or is that element of physical contact just too important to lose? Are you happy for your child to play the game? Let us know. Uh, Women Today at ManxRadio.com. You can text 166 177 or go to the Women Today Facebook page or on Twitter. It's at Women Today. We've got lots of your comments and we will come to those in just a moment. Um, but first, Joe, I mean, your son's actually just recently been away on a rugby tour. Um, How do you feel about this?
4: When he first went to high school, he was dreading playing rugby, actually. It was something that he was really, really nervous about. But as he started to play it, he's realised he's really enjoying it and he's doing quite well at it. I think that might be because he's really fast and he actually just runs away from everyone. Um, But the first thing that comes to my head that I think of as a sport is boxing. I mean, really? Rugby? They're not actually, you know, meant to get any blood. Obviously, if they do, they have to go to the um, blood bank. Place, don't they what's it called see I'm terrible at this um, That if you get blood and you're on the rugby pitch you have to go off the pitch but like say for instance in boxing they can just be I mean look at them all the cuts and the bash oh no 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 I mean as rugby goes as a the sport these guys that play rugby they know what they're getting themselves into they they put themselves up for it I think Dave's right there it's all to do with the coaching it's all to do with the technique and the, how they're taught to play interesting thing obviously Professor Alison Pollock um, who's campaigning about it I wonder if she's a mum of sons that play rugby because it's not a guy that's you know going and campaigning so strongly about this is it it's actually a woman well she is one of 70 signatories there are lots of um other people but yeah
1: she
3: is the main one who has been campaigning against it christy what did you make of this well it was interesting talking to dave because the interview is actually a bit longer than that one of the things he was saying was that this Alison has actually been campaigning for some years to change this and so that's why he's saying at the end I wonder if actually it's more of a sort of one-woman campaign despite the fact she's got the signatures but at the same time these people do in theory know what they're talking about the interesting things I've learned this morning from these different interviews are first of all I assumed rugby was still sort of like a compulsory sport as, as part of schooling because I know when we were kids it was a case of when you do PE it's whatever the game is. So I thought, well, OK, well, if kids are being forced to do it, then that's not really that fair. But but then we're talking to, to Tim earlier. He was saying that apparently there is some choice in there. I don't know that you don't have to do it. If it's compulsory, I think it's something that needs to be looked at. But then also the other thing that came out of it from those interviews is that apparently it isn't contact sport anyway from that age, that, it, that touch Tag. rugby is part of it. Yeah. So if that's the case, then what are they actually trying to... I think, think the touch rugby... Tertiary-
1: rugby element is for the younger children I mean we are talking um, today they're they're focusing on the under 18 so it is the the children who are in secondary school which are
4: compulsory in secondary school and high school you don't have a choice you have to play rugby and it's for a season so it's only part of this term for instance and then it goes to another sport but you wouldn't be able to not play it is compulsory but then these other sports you know like I used to play indoor hockey that is so dangerous that
3: is ridiculously dangerous yeah lacrosse and you know flying things through the air and even there was Guy, um, that I went to school with um, who was playing football and he just did what seemed like a completely banal tackle, there was nothing dangerous about it, and his leg snapped on the pitch,
4: you know. So, you what are you supposed to do? Winter sports, think of skiing, horse riding, I mean, horse jumping. There's just so many sports that you can think of. I that think the are difference is there, you probably don't
1: necessarily do those at school, you know, unless you, yeah. unless you actually choose to do it. Um, I, I think I can, I'm in two heads about this one, mm. um, because on the one hand, I think, you know, rugby, surely if you are taught how to play it properly, yeah, there is the risk of injury. But as you've both said, you know, that can happen in any sport. And I, I've got a friend who plays hockey and she is forever being injured and has had some pretty horrific injuries. Our own Chris Cave downstairs has sustained an injury just at the weekend uh, to break a nail. <laughs> like it. <laughs> um, but then I guess if you are the parent of a child who has sustained an injury, then, you know, then you are in a different position. And I, I think maybe you need to look at it from that And then we've got to view. think about
4: the protective gear that these kids yeah. have got to wear as well. But the other thing that worries me more about it, actually, is the size of these guys now. So they're getting to kind of like the sixth form playing rugby. the ages that we're talking about. And the amount of training that they're doing, but also the nutrition that they're then looking at. And they start to take things to pump them up because they are looking bigger and bigger and that's what worries me a lot more than tackling
1: Our studio guest this afternoon is Alison Lester Um, Alison what are your thoughts about the the rugby issue?
5: I've got three sons Um, my eldest son plays rugby and has played rugby at school and I think it's a good sport for children to get involved in it's a contact sport and that's the whole point it's a contact sport and I think the age group that we're talking about early teens and then up to 18 they need that social bonding I asked my son my my son to explain it to me he said oh mother you won't understand he said it's a male thing and I think it is all about that as well and it teaches them really good discipline.
3: I think interestingly as well I was watching um, some uh, media coverage of this this morning and on one of the programmes one of the interviews they had was with a, a chap who in school actually became paralysed through rugby through a bad tackle in rugby and they were interviewing him presumably thinking he would say oh yes it's awful and he said don't you dare take tackling out of <laughs> rugby that's exactly what the game is all about and what would it be if there wasn't the tackling in there and yet he was actually paralysed from it.
5: You know how some people completely throw themselves into into the 1940s or 50s and want to live that lifestyle? Yeah we've got more of our own world which is a mixture of the old but also completely contemporary mm-hmm. so the way that we are in life we're completely in charge of our of our own lives being women we're very much of today and so we never feel like we're stepping back in time but we step into a sort of fairy tale especially at christmas it's just yeah. it's a fairy tale I bet your wardrobe's fantastic. Do you, do you bring a lot of
3: dresses on tour with you? Hell oh, yes. Yes, <laughs> And they're all very big? And they're all very big. martella has been
6: designing, squirrelling away at the drawing board. <laughs> oh, so you <laughs> actually design them yourselves? Yes. And who better to design them than the person that spends 365 <laughs> days a year with <laughs> us? Everybody go home, tell. Them, low, tell them, what you gonna do today? Say what?
3: Now I noticed that the gig in Liverpool next week is on International Women's Day. Going to do anything
5: special that night then? Oh, you'll just have to come Sweet. and find out.
3: Yeah. I can hear the cogs ticking now. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Thank you for the idea.
6: <laughs> it's
5: okay. Are there any women in particular that inspire you, ladies, or, or oh, yeah. who comes to mind? There are so many. I mean, Cindy Lauper is one. She's she's she was kind of a a little bit of a mentor to us when we went on tour. Hey girls, you've got to
6: write your own poetry. <laughs> Not it's all very really... well doing covers. But you know,
5: <laughs> girls just want to
6: have fun with the covers, so she's been in our shoes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say my mother, but you know, <laughs> and, my, and my grandmother.
5: They're very big influences on me. And Vivian would... Westwood, of course. Vivian oh, Westwood, yeah. my God, yeah. Mm, she absolutely. Was a, I used to work for her in the 90s, and she. that was one of the most important formative moment in my life and would you have any
3: advice to young women out there not necessarily just in music but just you know sort of young woman is trying to find her place in the world because you all seem to have such confidence about you and i'm sure there might be some words of wisdom you could impart
6: i think whatever you choose to do make sure you know what you're doing so you can do it well Mm -hmm.
5: you know um and also don't expect everything to come immediately mm. it's it's Perseverance and really believing in what you do—that—that that is going to make you to make you able to do it for the rest of your life.
6: And true talent does, doesn't grow on trees, as we're led to believe by, you know, many uh, TV shows, especially in the music industry these days. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about lots and lots of years of hard work, dedication, and studying, and Get love, le- and, and fun. Yeah, exactly. And great dresses. <laughs> oh, damn right. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Women Today, brought to you by Citywing.com, for your next flight away.
7: It was embarrassing, um, because probably for about two years before I became homeless, you know, that, that was the thought, if, if I leave this marriage now, I haven't got anywhere else to go. Yes, I could have gone back to the UK, but my children were born here, and they had a the right to live here. And so, if it wasn't for the help of the local authorities pointing me in the right de- direction... But but it's also admitting that you need the help and saying, you know, it's okay. You know, it's not embarrassing to be homeless and to start all over again. And and yeah, I I was rock bottom. I was. So
1: you mentioned local authorities who obviously gave you
7: some guidance. Where did you actually end up going to live? Um, I moved to a refuge and I was there for about four weeks and they kindly let me stay there till I saved up enough money for a deposit for a flat.
1: And at that point, how do you start rebuilding your life
7: you literally just watch your pennies and um, pay your bills that the three most important thing is, is your bills the roof over your head um, and food as well and I was a single parent for 15 years and my children always ate fresh vegetables and um, we, we just shopped wisely and um, charity shops for clothes and you start from nothing and you just never give up And what
1: impact would you say it had on your children? I mean, they were incredibly young at the time, only Mm. six and four.
7: They didn't realise, to be honest, what was going on because I didn't tell them it was a refuge. I I made it fun, I kept it positive um, and it was more like an adventure for them. It's only now as they're in their early 20s they they know now what happened back then but it was how I handled it. They didn't know anything about it being... They didn't know I was rock bottom because I didn't show them. It was only when I was on my own. So yeah. you were in
1: that refuge for four weeks, you saved up enough money to to get a deposit on a flat. Yes. Um, in terms of, of how you lived then during those first few few months and couple of years, I'm really interested in something you said, you could make a chicken last for three days.
7: Oh yeah, every Sunday was Sunday roast, Monday was chicken and chips, and then uh, Tuesday was um, chicken sandwiches and soup and now these days if if i do roast chicken my son said he'll leave we don't ever have a roast chicken dinner it's any any meat but not chicken but,
1: but yeah. you were working i mean at one point you what you had two or three jobs even on the go that's
7: right yeah yeah and uh, once my children were big enough to be left alone um after school i introduced them to the slow cooker <laughs> and the sandwich toaster and uh, yeah it's um i always wanted a better life for myself and for my children and um you know, it's all about willpower, there's the the there's, there's the um the willingness to not give up, and to say that yes, I want a better life for my children. I want us to have a holiday. Um, I want us to be able to afford nice clothes. And I did it on my own. Can I ask you? Because you sure. you're, you're such a positive
3: and clearly very brave person and you know you've got that kind of gumption to just go no I'm just going to get through it yeah were you always like that or did this come out of your situation this kind of attitude of just that bravery and that optimism
7: um I think it was because I was left in that situation when you get to rock bottom there isn't anywhere else to go and you either make a decision in life to stay there and wallow in self-pity or you think hang on a minute northern bird I'm not having any of this (laughs) let's get on with it and let's do it. And anybody that's out there listening to this show today—if you are in a situation, it doesn't matter if you're a man, a woman, a teenager—and you think that you want to change your life—I'm telling you now, you can do it. You can do it. Two years ago,
1: you bought your first home. Yeah, I did. Yeah. How did that feel?
7: Well, I just kept thinking, leading up to it, something's going to happen. Someone's going to take it me away from you know, take it away from me. And then I stood there on the night. Um, that I bought my home and I looked around with a bottle of champagne there was no glass by the way it was just the bottle and um, yeah it was it was just a massive achievement and uh, you know the Isle of Man I've been here for 27 years I came in when I was 17 and um, the Isle of Man's been very good to me and I'm very proud to be part of part of what's going on, on the island. In the late
1: 1990s, yeah. when this all happened to you, there weren't the charities providing support. There is now um, a charity called Housing Matters, yes. which you were asked to join the board of last year. Yeah. How big is the problem over here, Joe, in terms of, of homelessness? Because I suppose most of us don't see it on the streets mm. as, as, as we expect to see homeless people. I mean, is it much of a problem nowadays?
7: It is, It is, to be honest, Beth. Um, it, And it can range from landlord disputes... Um, It could be just teenagers that are at home where they're classed legally, able to live on their own, but then financially they can't. It can be, in my case, a marital dispute. Um, It could be uh, people that are drug and and alcohol dependent. There's such a wide range of it. And at Housing Matters, uh, one of the things that I've introduced is is our strapline is that we're helping people to rebuild their lives and by coming to us, we can either help them. We can not usually, um, in most circumstances, we can rehouse them, and um, within 24 hours of emergency, um, roof over their head. Um, and then we work with other authorities as well, um, to, to help them rebuild their lives and get them back into a, a you know, a nor- back to a normal life, really normal routine. Do you think, because obviously it sounds like it's such a brilliant system that, you
3: know, it's highly unlikely I would have thought that anyone would end up in this situation, but could there ever come to be a time on the Isle of Man where it is a bit more like a city in the UK where there are people sleeping rough? Because, I mean, there's only ever been ted the tramp hasn't there bless him mm. um years ago it, but it's it sounds like that's unlikely to you, you're unlikely to ever get in that situation over here
7: we have had adequate um situations where people have slept rough in, in office office doorways but mm. people just don't know about it on the isle of man and we had a, a young girl who was studying for her gcses in a public toilet wow. and you know even now people when we tell people that story they're like you're kidding me mm. you know so i think it's it's just it's like anything isn't it you've got to make people more aware and you know we're growing the Facebook page nicely now um and we're doing more advertising uh, and it's going to take a while to get that message around the island but um yeah it's a it's a very worthy cause housing matters
1: it's an incredible journey you've been on joe and you know you are now doing some brilliant work helping other people in a similar situation what would you tell your younger self do you think
7: How do you mean, my younger self?
1: Well, the younger self who found herself in that position, nowhere to go with the two children.
7: Just don't give up. And it doesn't matter how bad you think your life is, there is somebody else out in that world that's worse off than you. And it's all about... A positive attitude is worth any amount of money in the world. Stay positive because, you know, things will get better. But you have to... It's a two-way street. You can go to these authorities and they'll help you but you've also got to help yourself. And by working hard and moving forward and looking to the future, it can be done.
1: We are joined in the studio this afternoon by the musician Dave McLean, who is one of the people behind the island's only arts and community centres run entirely by volunteers. Um, Interestingly, Dave, we've been talking about uh, volunteering already this week because it is the island's national volunteering week. Why did you feel it was important to have the centre run by volunteers as opposed to paid staff?
0: Well, I think on the island to start with, there's only a, a small population. Now, if we want to produce uh, quality uh, music and quality drama for people, there isn't. Uh, we wouldn't have enough money, I don't think, to be able to pay staff and then be able to bring artists over from England and all that sort of thing. So the only way we could do it was with volunteers, and I think it has to be everybody has to be a volunteer. And uh, so far, 13 years on, still still working.
1: And how many does it generally take for the centre to run?
0: Well, more than you'd think, actually, because, of course, there's all the things that you don't think about, like um, the cleaning team, which we all get together on a Monday morning and clean the place every week. Uh, then there's tea and coffee. Uh, there's the meet and greet. There's the actual management committee. There's the technical staff and... You know, it goes on and on.
1: And how difficult is it to find people to support you in what you're doing? Because a lot of it is is quite time consuming.
0: It is it is uh, quite difficult, particularly difficult for, to find technical staff. So if anybody's listening today who would like to get involved, I mean we'd like to see. Any, any type of volunteer from meeters and greeters uh, and people to run the teas and coffees, but also Joe, particularly... Joe, let me volunteer, Joe, yeah. right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> just live up the road from me, yeah, I do,
4: I do. Yeah. I'm very good with tea, coffee. I have to do it round here a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: That's you're right. very welcome to join us.
1: So what is the main ethos behind the centre then, Dave? Because you, you play host to a, a wide variety of events.
0: Well, it was to produce the best quality... And um, the (laughs) widest variety of um, uh, all sorts of arts and community events that we could. I mean, when we started off, we didn't know what we were doing. We uh, we were a bunch of amateurs, and um, well, still are really. And but you know, over the years, we've learned what people like, and I think also the arts centre scene in the UK has grown over the last ten years, and we've grown with it. So we we sort of know now uh, what people want, and. The ethos is just to provide as wide a variety of um, entertainment as we can and as of a higher quality as we can.
1: Now you've got a particular interest in world music and we've had some really brilliant acts come to the centre. How easy is it to secure people like that?
0: Uh, It's quite easy to to, uh, secure them uh, once you can get them to the UK. But, for example, we had um, chap Anxo Lorenzo, who was a wonderful Galician Piper last summer, and uh, the gig in the end worked fabulous, but I think we ended up losing somewhere around about £1,500 because they just couldn't uh, organise the flights from Galicia, even though we'd tried... 10 months to, to get the flights organised so so sometimes it can be an issue uh, quite a lot of these bands they like Shakoyak for example who are here on Saturday they live in London anyway so it's not, that's not too bad
1: So give us an idea then of some of the people that we're going to see over the next few weeks and months
0: OK well we've got um, the Poozies coming on the 12th who are a Scottish band Scottish all uh, female band then we've got Cy Cranston coming who's a, a retro uh, rock and roll uh, band coming the following uh, Saturday uh, we have a, a play uh, uh, Our Own Inspirations um, uh, theatre group and that's the following weekend and that's just in March so it's just keeps on going.
1: And what is the involvement like? I mean you mentioned Inspirations there but that Mm -hmm. community involvement and and support like in Peel?
0: Oh it's fabulous. I mean I always think that Inspirations is one of the best things that happened in the centre because it pulls in children uh, and it gives gives us an opportunity to get young people involved in the centre and that's something that I'm really keen to do and that's going to be one of our focuses for this year.
3: I think it's really interesting when you look at the sort of list of these names, and you just mentioned, is it Shekoye was the, the group uh, there at the weekend? I had never heard of this group, and there's a lot of the acts that sort of come over, and you think, I've got no idea who these people are. But they always seem to sell out, don't they? And it's—do it's, you find that the, the Manx public have a, a real interest in sort of global music and, and different varieties of music?
0: Well they, well, they do if I bash them over the head enough. And uh, <laughs> I, you know, so sort of I, I get Songlines magazine, which I've actually got in front of me here, and uh, that's where I find all these bands from. But I, I think I think now people trust us that uh, that it's going to be, you know, interesting at least.
1: OK, they're the tunes we love to hate, but no matter how bad they are, we just can't help singing or even dancing along when we hear them. Maybe it's because they remind us of a special time in our lives or they capture a magic moment or they're just a little bit too catchy to ignore. Well, whatever the reason, we have been asking you to reveal your guilty pleasure songs. Here is a selection of a few. Um, be warned, you will either love us or hate us by the end of this.
0: Eyes. Sierra smile, legs that go on for miles and miles. Oh, see those legs, man. This
7: track's booming. It ain't no hype. Watch
5: us wreck the mic. Watch just wreck the mic. Watch we'll just wreck the mic. We'll mic. Sight.
1: well, we're not sure whether to say you're welcome or we're sorry after that, but uh, many thanks to, among others, Gary, Joe, Mimi, Jenny, David, Katie, Stephen, Emma, Laura and anyone else who has suggested their guilty pleasures so far. We are going to try and squeeze a few more in before the end of the show. Do let us know uh, what yours is. Somebody's texted in to say, guilty pleasures, I don't know what you're talking about, this is um, my playlist. <laughs> well, that was a look back at some of our favourite moments from this week's Women Today programmes. If you've missed any of the shows, you can catch up on demand at MaxRadio.com. and and as ever, if you've got a suggestion of something you'd like us to talk about or a guest you'd like to appear on the show, please do get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Women Today at manxradio.com. You can get to us on Twitter. It's at MR Today or go to the Women Today Facebook page and message us there. But until next time.
4: and conditions
5: apply.